Hello and welcome to this week's free episode of Trash Future Season 2. It's me, Riley. I'm in studio with Milo. Hello, it's me, your boy. Uh, Nate on the boards. Hello, here again. Alice in rainy Glasgow. Hello, yes. Keeping up with the weather, I see. <laughs> yes, it's out. Mm. Uh, and this has been Weather Corner. <laughs> and, uh, and we're also joined by friend of the show and returning guest, Kim McIntosh. Kim, how's it going? Yeah, it's good. Thank you for having me back. Oh, fantastic. You're very welcome. Yeah. Um, so we've got an enormous amount to get through today, as we always do all the time. And so just off the top, uh, I want to say that we are going to talk about Iran in more detail uh, next week. Yes. But our, our initial reaction should... Get on the Patreon and go on to the like, death to America tier to hear all <laughs> of our uncensored, highly illegal thoughts. Tune um, into next week's episodes, Iran, a land of contrast. <laughs> um, but if I've learned anything from the experience uh, of just watching politics for my entire lifetime, it's that I'm certain the country that fabricated a bunch of flimsy evidence in order to wage a bloody imperial war in the Middle East with no end wouldn't do it again. Mm. Of course not. They would have learned their lesson. Well, I mean, as we all know, everybody who supported the war in Iraq suffered incredible professional consequences and people who opposed the war are now in positions of extreme influence. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's how things worked, right? I for I for one look yeah. forward to like the same monsters in twenty years saying just because I supported the war in wars in Iraq and Iran, you say my political <laughs> opinions don't matter. Damn, I hate this PC yeah. culture. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, except it's, they're saying it under a gigantic picture of the Ayatollah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, stay tuned for Iran talk. Um, however, we are going to focus mostly today on that classic canard the left just has to get more racist as we talk about what we think what blue labor is in the second half of the show however in the first i have to do to bring this up i have a startup and my goodness is it one hell of a startup delightful little amuse-bouche before we get into the serious bit Mm. yes it is called oyo uh, Looks just like Buddy Holly. <laughs> Very um, niche. Yes. It is OYO, which stands for, I'm just going to give this to you, On Your Own. Kim, what do you think they do? On Your Own. Masturbating. It's a startup. <laughs> it is what I was thinking, I'm yeah. not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, you can use this service to masturbate if you want to. Well, you can use a lot of services to Aww. masturbate if you're determined. Is it a private jet? <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is private. Okay. Um, so OYO stands for On Your Own. It is one of SoftBank's better performing companies in their vision fund. And it's actually been seen at counteracting WeWork, Uber, and others. It's valued at $10 billion. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> it's counteracting them. As in, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's successful, be... right? Yeah, like it's, it's like... a prestige thing. Yeah, it's like the crown jewel in the uh, SoftBank uh, Vision Fund, and it is like ameliorating the losses. Sorry, I thought you meant it was like somehow deliberately undermining what Uber does. Oh, heavens no. It's somehow doing the opposite of Uber. Uh, No, in fact, quite something quite similar. Uh, Um, But what what do we think? What do we think it is? One more round of guesses. What do we think it is? Hmm. On your own. Uh. If you get fired from a salary job, it helps you find a freelance job that pays less. 
No, it will help you get fired from a salary job, but it will not help you find a new one. Oh. Um, no, oh. I'm. Uh, it's some sort of like kind of entertainment portal okay. or something. So, um, it it, it is. Uh, I'll, I'll pause what they do for a minute. Uh, I'm gonna have you do one more guess, and then we're gonna go right into details. How much do you think this mysterious company, the crown jewel of the SoftBank Vision Fund, made at it for its ten billion dollar valuation last year? Was it a loss? Yes, when we when we were doing the notes for this, we were like, "Yeah, they're just going to say it's a loss immediately." And yes, yeah. thank you for vindicating us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was immediately obvious. Um, give me, give me a guess. Give me a magnitude guess. How much did uh, they lost? Uh, let's call it a, a, a round bill. Uh, okay, no, they lost a third of a billion. Uh, <laughs> On revenue mm. of nine hundred million, but things are getting markedly worse after each round of expansion. Amazing! That's wow. great. It's almost as though wow. if you if you have a business that's losing money and then you make it even bigger, it'll lose even more money. Um, okay, yeah. I'm like I sold all of these kettles and I lost ten percent. What if I sell even more? <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's economy of scale, right? You just have one yeah. gigantic kettle. And yeah. then it's constantly boiling because people all want a cup of tea, and it's yeah, it's much cheaper. Yeah, we're, I mean that's what global warming is. It's turning the world into one gigantic kettle, so everyone can have tea all the time. We're going to save tons of money on kettles. Folks, the Middle East—it's like a big kettle. They love tea over there. They're always drinking it. I've been there. I've seen them. Big boiling, boiling, always boiling. <laughs> they love to the boil. So they here's do. what they actually do, and. I'm go I've taken this from a testimonial about using their services. For five years, Sunil Solanki, a retired captain in the Indian Army, had run the 20-room four-site hotel in a New Delhi suburb. Business was steady, but he longed to make the establishment a destination for lucrative business travelers. This is just Basil Fawlty. You've introduced mm -hmm. us to Indian Basil Fawlty here. <laughs> last, last year, a hospitality startup called OYO told Solanki that it would turn the four-site into a flagship hotel for corporate customers. It guaranteed him monthly payments, whether the rooms were booked or not, as long as, long as he rebranded the property with OYO's name and sold the rooms exclusively through the site. Oh, at, no. o at OYO's request, Solanke sank $8,400 of his own money into reupholstering the hotel's furniture and adding mm. new linens that were themed with the red and black colorway of OYO. But the corporate guests did not materialize, and OYO stopped making the payments, and now he's on the verge of eviction. Oh. Oh, they, just, they just they just tricked him into yes. buying a bunch of expensive, ugly upholstery. I mean, this is normally they do this and then like, you know, there were hidden cameras the entire time and then people like emerge on screen at the last minute with like a band playing or something like when, they're, yeah, when they do this Bam for effect. Fucking Margera startup. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 yes. Um, so the corporate guests are just Preston Lacey chasing Wee Man <laughs> naked through the hotel. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you would make more money having the jackass guys come and do the um, reading a, a a letter from an attractive female fan taped to the wall, and it turns out it's just Wee Man behind it with a boxing glove. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it has scaled up by promising hoteliers monthly payments, which have been made possible by SoftBank's money. The payments, which were in advance on the hotel owner's share of room revenue, were supposed to be paid no matter how many rooms were booked. And in exchange, the hotel had to add all of these improvements like free breakfast and upgraded linens and so on, and then agreed to book every single room under any circumstances, mm. even walk-in guests, 
through OYO and let it control how the rooms were sold on other sites. But That's the subsidy payments cool. from OYO don't last forever, and OYO controls the price, so it discounts the rooms online so much that Solanke couldn't even afford to offer them to anyone at any reasonable price. <laughs> huh. This is this is a machine for driving hotels out of business. Yeah, it's just like we work for yeah. bankrupting your hotel. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, that's all it does is it just bankrupts your hotel. <laughs> who came up with this idea? <laughs> so, yeah, someone, oh, no. someone who was like wronged as a child by a hotel and like then decided <laughs> to commit some kind of like blood feud. <laughs> it is. It is literally the thing is they have like millions of hotel rooms now under their control. They have tons of hotels in America. This is like India. some Phantom Menace shit. This like yeah. really bo- like banally <laughs> evil. Like yes, we're expanding our control to hotel rooms all over the world. All the yes, as Alice said, all it seems to be is a multi-billion-dollar operation to close down hotels at no benefit <laughs> to anybody. <laughs> It's it's like they can't. They're doing private equity. That the thing where you just like do a leveraged buyout and then like strip all of the assets and fire everybody and make off with the, your ill-gotten gains, but without doing the money part. <laughs> it, it, you, yeah. You're just driving the business into the ground. And, and it's a ten billion dollar company that basically exists to like go buy up in like a vacant mm. house, rip up all the copper, and, and then just leave it in a pile. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm reminded it's, of the joke about the Austrian economics meme. You've seen that before, where it's stealing the manhole you, cover, you steal the manhole cover, sell it for drugs, wait for the city to replace the manhole cover, then give it, steal it again. <laughs> just keep doing that in a circle. Yeah. Like, but it, I never, I never expected someone to make that into like a ten billion dollar valuation. Well, no. well, no, actually, no, I think it's, I think it might be like a Brewster's Millions type vibe, where like someone has been told they have to lose like so many billion dollars, <laughs> but through a completely legitimate business. Um, so, uh, Milo, earlier you asked who started this up, and Kim, you suggested Airbnb. It was actually started by a 19-year-old Indian University student <laughs> called Ritesh Agrawal, <laughs> who is well, he, now. He, he sounds like he should have ten billion dollars. Well, mm. He's now 26. So, like, he's no longer able to game effectively. He's sort of too slow for Fortnite. <laughs> so now Damn. he has to do what the other 26-year-olds are doing and control a multi-billion-dollar uh, hotel empire that is uh, just fraudulent. It's basically Wait, that's like what I'm doing? A, sp- a spin-off of Railroad Tycoon called Hotel Tycoon, except in real life. Yeah, he's playing with cheat codes somehow. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. It's like a roller coaster that has to be installed in the uh. lobby or whatever. <laughs> oh, uh, Milo, there is a little bit of that. They're not roller coasters. Okay. Because that's the thing. Don't forget, this business that seems to exist to um, churn hotels into bankruptcy at an industrial rate around <laughs> the world. <laughs> Um, it, it is the something awful thread about the machine that kills children. It's the zip line that has a forty-five degree angle on. I also it. think there, is... might, there might there might be <laughs> there might be a, a a a point here that who are the companies supplying all of like the new livery for these hotels? Like, is this a huge scheme for reupholstery businesses because they have to reupholster <laughs> everyone around the world with the same fucking red and black pattern? University student whose parents own a failing upholstery business that has way too much red and black fabric. Do you know what 
being <laughs> interrupted. Oh my god! It's just a case of the front business getting way too big accidentally. Yeah. It's, it's doing a producer. Someone, someone's entire parents ordered. They just they put one extra zero when they were ordering pallets of cloth off Alibaba, and then they should like, <laughs> what am I going to do with ten thousand pallets of red and black cloth? So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw to I'm gonna throw to Kim here. What do you think makes this hotel franchising website a tech company? Because it's a tech company somehow. Is there a website? <laughs> there is a website. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's a tech company in the sense that it's notionally worth billions of dollars despite being a loss-making enterprise. Oh, sorry, Milo, you've do given they... the real definition. Uh, okay. Um, I'm looking for the ostensible do, do definition. They, do they put some dumb tech in the hotels? Because you mentioned like some escalators and some treats and things of that uh, nature. No, they don't put any dumb tech in the hotels. Wi-Fi connected Corby trouser press. <laughs> Fucking at, Wait, at this do, point, do, why do not? They, do they apply dumb tech to the hotels? Yes, Alice, they do. Mm. Oh, this good. is this is a uh, a selection from an article in which they were interviewed. Before we design interiors, we predict what kind of design for the lowest capital expenditure will give us the best returns. For instance, we found that portraits of Marilyn Monroe increased revenue per available room of a property by 10 to 11% on average. <laughs> what? Oh what? what was Milo, this? you heard was what this, I said. Was this written by a Markov chain? No, like, it, it was designed by a Markov chain. I love, I love to go yeah. into my hotel room and every surface is covered in like tiled pictures of Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> every room is a different kind of hell. Yeah. <laughs> Just bizarre. I did once genuinely stay. There's a chain of hotels in Britain called Britannia, and uh, I once stayed Ooh, boy. in. Oh yeah, and I once stayed in one of their hotels in Wigan. Delicious. You should go. Um, and it's like an ugly plate glass hotel from like the late seventies or early eighties, and inside the hotel in the lobby they have pictures of all of the other britannia hotels on the thing which are just as ugly as the one there and i don't know whether someone was planning to a tour of every britannia hotel but it's like britannia manchester airport so i was like well i've always wanted to see manchester airport yeah. <laughs> and i went into the <laughs> breakfast room and above the like they have one of those like conveyor belt toasters and above the toaster they had a huge oil painting of henry the eighth <laughs> <laughs> Just for no reason. Yeah, they could have used some data and replaced all of them with different pictures of mm. Marilyn Monroe. They would have made more money. This is, of course, Damn. because uh, the theory of change here is that consumers classify hotels like this, so with several pictures of mm. Marilyn Monroe, as, quote, boutique. It began when one of our hotels in Wichita Falls, Texas, saw Rev PAR. These companies always invent uh, ridiculous metrics to, like, try to show that they're profitable. Yeah, they, they, they saw their KD ratio go up. Uh, their ping went down. Mm, well, remember, exactly. we, WeWork had community-adjusted EBITDA, which was like, how much money are we making net of vibes? Um, <laughs> so, oh, literally, that was what it was. That was one of the financial um, ratios that they released. And so this this company just also invented its own financial uh, mm. ratio as well, revenue per available room. And it improved by 25% after we put Marilyn Monroe, Monroe portraits on the walls. Then we started copy-pasting this around this around. <laughs> I've, I've never seen the, the whole idea of like one of these startups like, described so like simply. We, we found a thing that kind of worked in that we made a graph go up, so we just applied it everywhere. Um. <laughs> yeah. Wait, and so they they just did this in so like every room has pictures of Marilyn Monroe, or it's like everywhere they put different is celebrities. Wichita Falls, Texas. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is basically the remember those stupid Johnny videos, like the children's theme, the children's lullaby song that like they made all the 
counterfeit ones on YouTube because they were making ad revenue. Mm. It's basically that concept applied to a hotel yes. room. Yeah, oh. what, if, what if kids YouTube was a hotel? Basically, we could we could game this so badly. I'm I'm sure if we put our minds to it for a week, we could like get this hotel to start putting up pictures of like the Diana car crash on the walls of hotel room. So it's like, it's like if, if 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 every Trash Future listener decided to get together and demand that uh, we only stay in hotels where like. This every sit you can't look without seeing Goatsy. We could ruin oh, this Jesus. business. <laughs> the Ayatollah above the toaster. <laughs> when a guest checks it, here's the real impressive technology that that OYO uses. Mm. When a guest checks into a full service hotel, the lobby staff knows what the guest that the guest ordered pizza to the room on the previous Mr. visit. Mr. Epstein, and will proactively <laughs> ask if the guest wants a pizza on this visit. <laughs> cool. okay. I love showing up to the travel lodge with my wife and them saying, will you be having the prostitute again, sir? <laughs> if a receptionist sells additional services, they earn an incentive. Oh, our, OYO mm. training institu- our OYO training institutes groom... Oh, Mr. Epstein. <laughs> groom employees. Okay. <laughs> We've created 300,000 jobs in housekeeping, front desk, maintenance, and so on. Mm. We but must clarify. They- By groom, we presume they mean they, like, pick the nits out of each other's <laughs> hair and eat them. But w- what good is it if they create 300,000 jobs if they're making a third of a billion dollars a year losses? Well, no, obviously what's but That's happening- a lot of lessons, to be fair. Yo, that's look, true. They're- yes, they're, they're creating 300,000 jobs, just they're also creating and destroying 300,000 new hotels all the time. So it's very <laughs> exciting. You never know where you're going to work tomorrow and what you're going to be doing. You just know that you're going to be doing something and somewhere there's going to be a computer optimized image of something that's going to drive up a, some kind I, of imaginary ratio. I love this. I love the hustle economy where I like go to sleep in a different pod every night and then go to work in a different hotel that shuts down immediately. <laughs> 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 Look, maybe the maybe hotel th- ceases existing in the middle of your stay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this hotel will be open long enough for me to have lunch. Are we sure mm. that this is capitalism and not just the Matrix finally breaking down? Like I, the, I mean, I don't know. If I'm starting to feel like I, like reality is fraying around the edges from this, I, it's it really. I don't understand it. Why does why does it why does it exist? It doesn't do anything. It doesn't even make a handful of people very wealthy like WeWork did. It makes no one wealthy at all. Well, it makes yeah. the owners wealthy. Well, yeah. kind of, but no, like So it, it doesn't even make the owners wealthy. It's going to lose it basically exists to spend billions and billions of Saudi oil dollars, because that's the entire vision fund is Saudi oil money. It exists to use that to wage war on the hotel industry in general. <laughs> a worthy cause. I love going down to reception to complain that my pizza hasn't been delivered and them saying, sir, this is now a Wendy's. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and, and that's the other thing, right? They also appear to be engaged in what appears to be outright criminality. And this is from an article huh. today. OYO once the star of <laughs> SoftBank's portfolio. <laughs> and like when I say once, I mean last week. Yeah, um, Masa, I mean, Masa's favorite, like, large sum. 
Yeah. How is it their best performing company when it's made a three hundred oh. million dollar loss? Uh, the others are much worse. The others yeah. are much. The others are WeWork, which made a multi billion dollar write down in valuation. Yeah. Okay, it, that is true. Incidentally, the uh, chief culture officer of WeWork put his house up for sale online, which is always oh, a good pictures. sign about a business, and featuring uh, a piece of art that just said, "I want to come in your heart." What? It was spelt C-U-M. No ambiguity there. Yeah, absolutely. On a rainbow background as well. Yes. Love is love, guys. What? That's just a new kind of medicine. That's mm. a book. That's universal healthcare <laughs> under Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. It really says a lot that this is the best performing company because, like, the other companies in their portfolio, whilst they are, like, uh, doing worse financially than this, they're arguably not as dumb. Like, Uber at least, like, provides a service which people, like, it makes it makes sense. Like, the way in which they do it is bad. But, like, yeah, they, 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 kinda, they, they don't yeah. kill you in the car. Like, no. Like, <laughs> they don't the crash not, the like, Prius. Crush sorry, sorry Alice, you're talking about, are you talking about Uber for F35? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah. yeah the, Uber aren't operating a model where you get in the taxi and it just goes somewhere yeah. and they hope that enough coincidences will occur that it will take it is, you where you're going. It, yeah, move fast and break things, but the thing is a hotel. It yeah. just, <laughs> it's, just so, it's just so beautifully insipid and pointless. So wait, um, I, I, noticed, I noticed we've been talking a lot about, about the OYO thing. I would like to, I'd like to throw back to Kim. What do you think of this um, all-out total war on the hotel industry being undertaken <laughs> by the Saudis through SoftBank? I just, to be honest, I feel quite overwhelmed. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about it. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to handle. I've got nothing against hotels. They're all right. Someone does. It just doesn't Mm. feel very fair. (laughs) What have hotels done? (laughs) I don't think they deserve this. I mean, this this is the Saudis. Remember that they got mad about some sort of diplomatic misunderstanding and responded by making a Twitter meme that seemed to indicate they were threatening to do 9/11 on Canada. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It can happen to you. (laughs) But again, the great thing about this is. I can't point to anybody here who's anti-hotel because the Saudis just had to put their oil money somewhere. Mm. Um, Massa from SoftBank is, I don't know, clearly just kind of a dumbass. And then Ritesh Agrawal probably thought this would really work. It just seems like a bunch of people were far too stupid, who are far too stupid to be left in charge of a pencil, accidentally have taken control of a large portion of the world's hotel industry. It's so dumb, it's not even a scam. (laughs) Saudi Liam Neeson just ringing up the Premier Inn in Havering and going, listen, I don't know what you want, I don't know who you are, but I have a very particular set of skills. Skills which make me a nightmare for any kind of balance sheet or company that I come from, into contact from, from with. From the County Kerry region of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I was just doing my normal Liam Neeson. I have, I have one more thing about um, about uh, OYO, then we're going to move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is now, because uh, like, like 2,000 of their staff have just quit, which is always a good sign for huh. the star of the SoftBank Vision Fund portfolio. Well, because the office disappeared, they didn't know where to go. <laughs> yeah, the, the office was, was three different kinds of hotel, and now yeah. is a gaming arena. <laughs> They all got into different peach. Ubers, which just disappeared. <laughs> they all, mm. they all, every, the entire company just like lost ping, lagged out. <laughs> um, so OYO has been imposing extra fees on hotels and declining to pay any hotels the full amount they claim they were owed, according to interviews with hotel owners, employees, emails, and legal complaints and other documents viewed by the New York Times. 
it's a bubble that will burst, um, said a former OIO operations manager in northern India who left the what company was, in September. What was the name of that operations manager, Riley? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they began working at OIO in August 2018 and said employees were under so much pressure to add new rooms that they brought hotels online that lacked air conditioning, water heaters, or electricity. He and eight others said their managers had asked them to engage in a month- Just the Bin Laden compound. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love the idea that they don't have heat or water, but they do have a bunch of pictures of Marilyn Monroe. Row, just stacked <laughs> up in a corner. And, like, and a long drop toilet that you have to squat over, and there's a picture of Madeline Monroe's <laughs> skirt being blown up opposite. Well, here's the thing. You, this is That's not even the prestige. That's not even the worst bit. At least those hotels exist. Because he and eight others said their managers had asked them to engage in a monthly shell game of briefly <laughs> inserting unavailable properties into OYO's listings, complete with fake photographs to help impress investors. Oh, incredible. So someone is making money off of this. It's just the people who are smart enough to defraud this company. Uh, yeah. That's, just be that's like, who's... yeah, I have a hotel. Uh, the stock image in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's, called, it's called the Getty Suites. <laughs> look, at our, look at our satisfied customers, and it's all just pictures of the awkward old guy from the memes, like doing the thumbs up next to the cereal. Yeah. Like, good oh, breakfast. Oh, my goodness. And again, before we move on, also, I just want to note that um like th- it it seems like every major story about some unicorn startup has been just a story of a slowly unraveling fraud and like when dominic cummings posted his want ad uh for like the people who are going to like rebuild the british government with him he basically says he wants someone who has extreme curiosity and capacity for hard work and isn't a confident public school bluffer but his worship of startup culture means he's just replacing like the confident public school jacob reese mogg bluffers with the ritesh agrawal style bluffers and it's all just more bluffers and most of them still went to fucking public school. <laughs> oh, yes. Absolutely. Everyone I like, honestly, the vast majority of public school people I know now work for startups. Like the ones who don't work for investment banks. Yeah, that, yep, yep, that, yep. that tracks. Uh, like, yeah, no, it's actually a really cool app. Yeah, me, me and some guys that I was in uh, JPJ House with, yeah, we came up with this app that like helps you connect with people to play Frisbee with. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we've got an office in short. It's really cool. We've been valued at $4 billion <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Fine. So yeah, uh, that's OYO, and it's going to uh, just another big fucking stone around the neck of the global economy when we need it least. Awesome. Mm. So when's that recession due again? Uh, I don't know. Uh, There's going to be at least like, in fact, instead of measuring time in hours, we're measuring time in like the total lifetime of a hotel. And I think (laughs) maybe in like It's like shakes of a lamb's tail in nuclear physics. Yeah. Like four to seven hotels Mm. from now, we're going to have a recession. uh, They've now invested in Habbo Hotel because it's getting so meta. I don't know, they probably would just put a screenshot from Habbo mm. Hotel in the, on, on their website. To be honest now, I think that the economy is so dumb that we probably can't have a recession because like, as soon as the stock market starts plunging, the, the soft bank will be like, oh my god, these stocks are worthless, we should buy millions of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> what oh, if SoftBank are just accelerationists? I firmly believe that. However, <laughs> Chairman Mao. <laughs> Let's see it who was you all along. Really is. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, leaving leaving SoftBank and the very amusing uh, elements of that firmly uh, behind us, I would now like to move on to talking a little bit about Blue Labor and Kim a little bit more about what you've been writing. 
So you recently wrote an article in that we all read, uh, which was based on the comments of Matthew Goodwin, who will always be remembered as the man who ate his book on live TV in 2017, mm. where he claimed that Labour has, quote, prioritized an awkward coalition of students and ethnic minorities over the real working class. And how did every ethnic minority become a wealthy property owner? Yeah, so I think it's really important to explain to everyone why that is. Um, my grand came here in like 1960 and then just got given a million pounds. <laughs> then we all got given huh. houses. Yeah, and then that was it really. And now yeah. we're all just millionaires and then that's it. Yeah, and mm. so there, it's super easy it. And so there are no non-white people who are working class. Yeah, it's just to the blacks though. Like yeah. no one else mm. got that. Oh, just right, of course. Us. Oh, and it was uh, due to um, Marxists in the universities, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They've been backing us for a long time. Yeah, for some reason, the Chinese all got Littlewoods vouchers. (laughs) (laughs) Like hundreds of thousands of pounds worth, but only Littlewoods vouchers. Uh Uh, So, joking aside, this is sort of based on... joking? (laughs) Is Littlewoods still going, by the way? What is Littlewoods? I think it's gone online now. Okay. Help the non-British people out. What is Littlewoods? What is Littlewoods? Uh, Littlewoods is like a a shop where your nan shops. Uh, That doesn't... what it, like what? a department store, but that sells shitty things. It had like <laughs> a catalogue that you yeah, could it's, get. Yeah. It's, 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 it's hauntology, because I, I don't know what that means and I refuse to learn. So it's, it's just, it's so just it means a shop where you, just, you have the existence of being dismal and British. That's not hauntology. Yeah. That's what that is. What hauntology is, no, I'm pretty sure. No, Spooky. It's, no, it is not hauntology. That, is, that is what women. hauntology is. No, mm. I have opinions about Mark Fisher, and I'm going to talk over women about them. I'm every man on the left. I'm going to talk about Berghain now. No, no, amazing. Um, no, so basically, when when Goodwin talks about an awkward coalition of students and ethnic minorities over the real working class, well, for one thing, bas- it's hard to hear him over the like the book chewing. <laughs> he's basically saying he is actually saying that there is an authentic traditional uh, English working class and it doesn't live in cities and it's white. That's the strong implication of what he's saying. Mm. And um, what you, I'm reading from your article here, you've said whether you say labor heartlands or left behind or the traditional working class, the meaning is the same. These are white voters, and the unspoken implication is that labor has lost the white working class specifically because it has pandered to the multi-ethnic metropolitan elite in London and other cities. Yeah, and that is what he's saying. He got a bit mad on... To be Mm. fair, it wasn't him. It was his, like, there's a kind of whole gang actually last time i was here mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i'd just been to the battle of ideas and i didn't know what it was it's been a year i now i now know what that is and so there's mm. like for our whole- listeners what is it so the battle of ideas is organized by someone called claire fox who is now a brexit party mep um, amazing yeah always so, very normal people to- yeah totally chill um totally normal um they do a lot of very serious debates such as is increasing diversity a threat um, to the West? <laughs> oh, I remember that. That was the one with, uh, yeah, I remember the, that kind of getting circulated, uh, the, that holding an event that basically framed it all in like oppositional terms, basically. That, like, yeah. This yeah. house believes I should get to say the word, sort of caucus. <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> and then everyone applauds in the audience and is like, that's mm. so right. Mm. Yeah, mm. totally agree. Speak the truth. And, that kind of vibe. And, and so <clears throat> it seems to me that this is based on the idea that 
multi-ethnic people have different basic interests that can't be reconciled with white people who don't live in cities and that lay what labor has to start doing is pandering to the interests of the former at the expense of the latter um and especially again that like labor included a lot of uh policies that would do that like say um reparations for imperialism um specifically creating um Specific, making sort of much harsher penalties for hate crimes, etc. Of course, I'm being sarcastic, there was precisely nothing in the manifesto that was specifically. Yeah. How, how many for the immigration removal centers were we going to close again? Uh, Not all of them. That's yeah, for sure. just like one yeah. or two. I remember them saying. Yeah. 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 So the I, I so I'm what I'm trying to get at here is <laughs> the, the immigrants can have one or two removal center closes <laughs> as a treat. <laughs> so, but what I'm what I'm trying to get at here is. The whole blue labor premise that sort of Goodwin is articulating here, the socially conservative, economically radical one, seems to be based on a kind of imaginary version of the labor platform that actually that might have had stuff like this in it, but mm. it's not. Well, yeah. I, I think we should lean into that, though. I have this idea well, going around for agree. Uh, red labor where like we just do the exact mm. same thing but from the opposite direction and say well the reason why corbynism failed is because we didn't we actually compromised too much on social issues and we should just be like fiscally you know, kind of socialist and socially incredibly hyper communist <laughs> page 1 of the manifesto white genocide <laughs> everyone issued with identical overalls yes um right but uh it it feels like this this, at base, there is an assumption that um, any party that is any political movement that doesn't explicitly um, coddle the feelings of uh, like non-urban white people with the idea that, oh, the empire was fine. You don't have to feel bad about saying slurs or whatever is too woke and is going to be alienating to them. Yeah. And I see there's like a couple of things about the. Goodwin's Newsnight appearance and his like subsequent tweets, which also aren't based in analysis. So even separating huh, out- You're telling me the guy who ate his book on television <laughs> might not be the smartest commentator. Who Interesting. Knew? He's doing facts over feelings, or rather the reverse, yeah. right? To be fair, it was my favorite episode of Ready, Steady, Cook. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Kim, please carry on. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, so there's- it isn't based in um like it's we're still waiting to have the full kind of excavation of why people voted the way they did why labor lost in its quote unquote former heartlands but what's been really dispiriting but also unsurprising is that whilst we wait for that analysis to come in we've had this like the vacuum's been filled by blue labor so i feel like they were waiting for the election result um and when they when it came through, they're actually quite pleased because they felt it vindicated um, what they've been arguing since about 2011, which is that, as you were saying, we're talking about essentially fights for rights for, gen for, rights, for gender um, and racial equality. And we need to move away from that. And what we actually need to be talking about is some things which I think uh, um, Labour should think about, like anchoring things in local communities, what matters to people. Mm. Um, what's happening on your local high street, what local services have closed and what does that mean to you and what's changed in your area? Um, what is based in why because no data um, is one, this belief that Labour spent loads of time talking about the rights of ethnic minorities, which as you said, 
I I missed it in the election. I feel like I'm pretty active. I didn't see that happen. Um, that there are no ethnic minorities in the North or Midlands, which is also untrue. Famously not. No, yeah, none. none. No, can't, can't, oh, go to Leicester. It's yeah. as white as yeah, you can. Your elbow. White people everywhere. Depending yeah. on how white your elbow is. Birmingham actually is just one large country club. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's actually really scary is that um, a lot of Labour MPs that are now vying for leadership have taken this rhetoric on, even though it's not, it doesn't appear to be based on any evidence yet, and are all fighting to say that, you know, we didn't listen to the working class. They don't say white working class, but we know that that is what they're referring to because they're saying things like, you know, the more working class an area was, um, you know, the more likely it was that we're going to lose it. Again, not based on research. They, yeah, yeah not based on inner city areas at all. Not yeah, at all. Because no, not a single working class person uh, in, Ke- in, in Kensington or Putney. Well, because the, not the thing is, yeah, th- those that. aren't communities. Uh, communities are like local communities that have like flat caps and yeah. whippets yeah, the, and stuff. The dog and well, flat I, I think, cap real people. I think that was the point in your article that I appreciated was the fact that this is constantly being referred to as the labor heartlands. And it's like, yes, but cities are also labor heartlands. Like, why can they not be labor heartlands? Is it just because the only the only voter base that matters to commentators, is it, it, are they just suggesting that it has to be rural or not urban areas full of white people that have massively aging populations because their young population has declined significantly? Like, because come out and say that, but don't act as though this is some like, oh, this is getting, we, we've gotten away from labor's roots. It's like working people are working people regardless of where they live. And people mm-hmm. are on shit zero hours contracts, whether they're in the city here, or whether they're in the middle of nowhere, I don't know, in, in Bassett Law. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but, but invariably it's just, it's, the, it's like the Claire Fox, Melanie Phillips, wink, nudge shit, where mm-hmm. it winds up just being, oh, well, they've, they've gotten too woke. And it's what they're basically saying is you need to be hmm. cruel to people and you need to victimize people who aren't white. Otherwise, people won't vote for you. And it's like, yeah, maybe that's a, maybe that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't know. But like, it's such a, it's such a, you're, it's such a bad faith argument. Mm. And to see it being treated so seriously across the board by everyone, whether it's, you know, right-wing news or slightly right-wing news like the BBC. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's true. Well, what, it, it doesn't matter if it's true or not because it's, it's the morally wrong thing to do. And I know that like... The failure of Corbyn and Corbynism has maybe sort of uh, taken the shine off of the left as a moralizing project, but if you can't say, no, we're not going to be more racist even if it works, because what is the point of us if we do, then, you know, what good are you? Yeah, well, the trouble is the government was subsidizing the racism mines for years, and they simply weren't viable anymore. <laughs> worked out down racism pairs, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, the other thing, right, is I think like at, at some point, um, someone in Blue Labor must have read like Chantal Mouffe or something, because it seems to Who? be, it there seems to be the there seems to be based on this idea that in order to have a community, like a working class community or whatever, there needs to be some other that they're opposed to, and it seems like Blue Labor has decided that well, they're going to be opposed the real working class community is going to be opposed to the sort of coalition of ethnic minorities and students in the towns. And so labor basically has to performatively shit on everyone in the cities on the basis that they're going to vote for them anyway. Mm. It's it's so ironic because it is the most metropolitan elite thing of having a bunch of people in Westminster sit around a whiteboard and go, "Eh, what are people in Torquay like? Uh, Racism, probably. Um, (laughs) Let's let's do more of that. So, I want to uh, go back okay, to Kim's compromise solution. You can get you can get your uh, gender confirmation surgery, but your dick has to be bitten off by a ferret. Okay, that's, <laughs> so I that's as go, good as we can do. I want to go back to Kim's article here. Uh, uh, she writes, 
the rhetoric purposefully places ethnic minorities outside of the nation. As rumors circulated that David Lammy, MP for Tottenham, might run for the Labour leadership, Goodwin tweeted that he wasn't sure Lammy was the right person to, quote, reconnect with Labour's left-behind, socially conservative and patriotic heartlands. In the blue Labour imagination, Lammy, the capital city, and even blackness itself, for American listeners, Lammy is a is a is a black MP. Um, Lammy, the capital city, and even blackness itself are implicitly placed in opposition to some authentic or real Britain out there. Hmm. Hey, can I just a, ask a quick kind question? Of folk. So I understand it. Lammy is pretty conservative as far as being a Labour yeah. MP goes, and he was even more so, like you know, earlier in in the previous decade. So, like, that's such a weird thing for him to say. It's so revealing. Like, so for one, Lammy, um, like earlier on in Blue Labour, and Blue Labour is. Mm. I can't believe I'm saying broad church, considering that they're just being overused right now <laughs> in a debate broad, about he's been a, a broad church, absolutely no mosque, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a broad church, church underlined. Yeah. <laughs> it's an incredibly wide kingdom hall. <laughs> um, but... There's like there's a huge, there's a large spectrum of views within Blue Labour, but earlier on, Lamy actually wrote a chapter for a Blue Labour pamphlet, and it's not a secret that he is more like socially small C conservative. He also had um, grew up with a single mother and um, got a scholarship, I believe, to Harvard, and also to grammar school. Was the first in his family to go to university. He's from a working class background. He worked his local KFC in Tottenham growing up. So this isn't someone who is quote unquote from a wealthy background middle class so he should be able in theory to represent an area that um, has patriotic socially conservative traditional working class voters and so I just kind of feel like Goodwin played himself and he might as well have just said he's too black like he's too black so he mm. can't represent them and like that sentence <clears throat> is so convoluted but if you know anything about Lamy then he fits the description that Goodwin's describing. The only thing he doesn't fit is he's not white and that he mm. grew up in London. I feel like they're normally so subtle with the language that they use. And I think, I don't know if it was on purpose because they feel empowered by the election result or if it was just a mistake and he kind of tripped up with the ethnic minorities and students awkward alliance thing and with the Lamy thing. But they're normally a lot better at disguising um, their issues around um, calls for equal rights, whether that's gender, or race so that mm. it's hard to call them out and I was actually surprised that um he was so blatant because it was just a lot it was so obvious to me and to a lot of other people too um mm. so yeah, all, all of the dogs next. just started barking uh that hoity-toity David Lammy with his metropolitan KFC job why couldn't he work on hot bovril stand like normal <laughs> working class lads <laughs> I mean, the most charitable possible reading of what Goodwin said is that, oh, well, Lammy's from a city, so he couldn't possibly understand what's going on in the towns. But again, that <laughs> makes... Lisa Nandy for Labour leader. Yeah, but that makes, again, I, I, I think... Towns future. I, again, mm. I, don't, I don't fully buy that because he always says, okay, well, Nigel Farage understands what's going on in Labour's heartland. Mm. And he's he a, drinks a pint in front of a yeah, very and, small and TV. He's, he's a banker who went to Dulwich College. Yeah, so very like, source of the earth school there. Yeah, so mm. it's like if y you you really run out of, of places to go except, well, he's black, he couldn't possibly but, connect I mean, that, with Labour's traditional voters. That's kind of the Trump thing too, though, isn't it? That somehow Trump has you know his finger on the pulse of working class Americans, which we do the, the same stupid mm. problem here where it's always like, wait a minute, why are you saying, why can only white white people who work in fucking mm. coal mines be working class and nobody else is? Yeah. And it, it, But Trump is, you know, 
born into incredible wealth, went to private schools, went to Dartmouth, like has been nothing but like a rich failure who can never face consequences his entire life. But somehow he's authentic and anybody who isn't a racist and isn't white can't be authentic. Yeah. And I, I just, you see that play out over and over again. And I just feel like there's a certain degree of, they sort of demand credulousness when it's, to me at least, it seems pretty obvious what they're trying to say, which is that they don't think that black labor voters or minority ethnic labor voters or anyone who isn't white deserves to be treated equally, even considered equally when it comes to how a party, you know, develops its platform. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's, 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 tra- I guess it's because it, Trump got elected in 2016 and every, every major newspaper decided, oh, wow, we're, we're too much in a bubble. We need to go out and explore what's actually happening in real America. And invariably, they always go to just like, you know, diners in Pennsylvania where people like retirees in ball caps are basically like, we love racism. And I read this thing on Facebook that, you know, that the Pope endorsed Donald Trump and stuff. And it's just basically, they, there's no challenge to it whatsoever. There's no pushback. It's just, basically you need to connect to these people you have to win these people back somehow and it's like uh these people don't believe in reality and the thing that animates their every waking moment is racism yeah they they're mm. never coming back yeah i don't in, in most cases i don't even think they ever were in the first place no. and in labor's case i think a lot of these people stayed home mm-hmm. from what i can tell probably because of brexit and the brexit policy but like it's a lot more complicated of a picture than that but the idea that somehow it was it was this one you know that that they got mad that labor was somehow not speaking for them or not representing them. And they decided that, you know, this was the moment that they needed to challenge that as opposed to, you know, what appears to be decade or, you know, a decade and a half of vote share decline and just general neglect and yeah, neglect Mm. and mismanagement by both their labor councils and the Westminster government. Cause they were Um, too busy doing new genders, making up (laughs) genders left and right. Exactly. Um, but also, I think, and before I move on, I also want to highlight this as well. I think, Nate, it's something that you you brushed on. I think it's worth going into more. It's because uh, people like Matthew Goodwin and movements like Blue Labor have a completely fucked up but very British view of what class is, which basically class is whatever you or your parents were doing in 1970. It doesn't matter if you own your house. It doesn't matter if you're now if you're living on a comfortably on a pension in in a town and don't don't really have to struggle to get by or anything. None of that matters. Cultural were, working class signifiers. Yeah. Yes, mm. if, rem, even remember even remember from, 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 the, from which from which the left is not immune. And so like they're able so they're able to see this coalescence of of sort of voter power as people who might have voted labor in the 70s because they might have been in a union in the 70s and the intervening 40 years nothing happened because mm. nothing ever changes because and- you have you have these cultural markers you have a flat cap on uh mm. or you you worked in the factory yes 20 exactly. years ago ah the um, laboratoire garnier <laughs> <laughs> so uh kim you you um you conclude the article this way uh not capi- and I I paraphrased the first bit just so it starts as a sentence, but uh, not capitulating to a political project that diminishes the rights of minorities in exchange for some uncertain promise of community to a white working class is essential for uh, not is essential for ethnic minorities' survival and also for labor's. Demographic change will bring more minorities into the electorate, and they do not owe labor their vote. The question is, what labor does with this new reality? Is it willing to abandon its values and our communities in a futile attempt to recapture the past? Yeah, so we have only one in 20 ethnic minorities vote for the Conservatives. That was the last election, 2017. Too early to say about this one, but probably mm. relatively similar. So even in taking morality out of it, 
I think it's immoral for Labour to abandon its ethnic minority voters um, in an attempt to recapture this imagined mm. white working class, which is mostly identity based and yeah, own their own houses and aren't mm. even working in um, quote unquote working class. Wouldn't have voted for us anyway. Yeah, yeah. they weren't. It's, they weren't it's, it's so it. cynical too. Is the thing like it's not. I, I don't think that Blue Labour is a, let's say, ideologically racist project in the sense that, like, they're idealistic about this. I think it's a very cynical way of being like, oh, people like racism? Well, we can just do some racism and then we mm. get the thing that we actually want, which is power. And, like, yes, of course, that is still racist, but there's a hollowness to it. And I think if you want to vote for a racist, you just vote for a racist. Yeah, and you don't. Uh, you like, vote Tory or you vote the Brexit yes, party because it's not like it's not yeah. like people whose animating impulse for voting is racism aren't going to they aren't going to be impressed by diet exactly, racism or exactly. low calorie racism. <laughs> they want the full thing. They want the orange soda that's just massively yeah. bad for you. <laughs> so like basically we see that Blue Labor uh, as a as a movement, which has been around for a couple decades now, I believe. Uh, has turned to social conservatism, which tends to imply opposition to minority rights in favor of, quote, community cohesion and integration, transactionally, as Alice said, because of cynicism about the non-metropolitan working class and what is fundamentally a middle-class yeah. movement. We're, we're just but, doing uh, David Cameron's Munich speech about integration at 160 decibels on a loop. But what they always forget, and this is something that I feel like we are going to be bringing up over and over and over on this show for the foreseeable future, this is a big a big th theme of Trash Future Season 2, is that Dennis Skinner was one of the main champ, as an MP, was one of the, like, a huge champion of LGBT rights in the UK in the 80s at the head of a trade union movement. Yeah, there but, is nothing, LGBT... there's nothing socially conservative about the working class. There yeah, is nothing but, inherently but, socially but, conservative but, about but, it. But, but mm. Riley, LGBT people uh, all live in that London, and like they, they, we don't have towns issues, right? Like, if you um, let, let's say you want to go to a gender clinic because you want to do something about that gender that's been bothering you, right? <laughs> gender, yeah. <laughs> um, if if you live in London, there is like. An 18-month waiting list, which obviously unacceptable, uh, extremely bad. If you live in Leeds or anywhere where, say, Leeds is the closest one for hundreds of miles, that's it, a five-year waiting list. Um, mm. That that is a local issue and also a quote-unquote woke issue. It's it's a cooling-off period in case yeah. gender goes away. <laughs> in case they invent a new gender in the meantime yes. and you realize that's the one that you want instead. Exactly. It's like buying a Ferrari. You know, mm -hmm. you get a place in the queue and then you see maybe a new model comes out in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, wait a minute. Then maybe, actually... maybe within like, you know, two years before you're going to buy it, you're like, actually, I identify as a Maserati instead. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, sorry, I'm Andrew Doyle now. I have one joke. Helicopter. <laughs> On to millions. Um, mm. <laughs> um, but this, uh, this, whole, this whole idea, right, is why it should come to no surprise to us that in 2011, Blue Labour founder Maurice Glassman said, Labour should try to, quote, build a party that brokers the common good with everyone. And that means, going around the table to guess, Milo, what do we think that means? Okay, I've got an idea. What if we say just the do word? A... Say the word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of like a compromise position with Blue Labour, where we don't let them do any racist policies, but we just let them say old timey slurs. Yeah, so like, we just we let them like... get into a, like a soundproof chamber, like a phone yeah. booth, and like, just like see... rage in there for a bit. Here where you say no detention for immigrants, can we just change immigrants for wops and dagos, and then we're <laughs> fine? Just like whatever. <laughs> uh, Kim, any guesses? So. I or you I, know I'm the pretty sure this. what it, I know what it is, so I don't want to ruin it. Uh, why don't you just open the box? Tell us what we've won. So, 
it's the EDL or the English Defence League. For people that don't know, just like the ultimate racist. Mm, the Football so Lads like- Alliance. Just yeah. Actual yeah. neo-fascists. The, yeah. the, beery, the Beery Gents Coalition. Yes. That, we, that <laughs> Labour should involve people who support the EDL within our party. Huh. Uh, uh, we're not racist. Yeah, no, like, it's, it's it's so cynical, right? Because like I, I mentioned the whiteboard thing, but it's even worse than that. It's literally it's like looking at a Facebook group uh, and being like, oh, "That's a lot of members. Uh, maybe we should maybe we should do something with this racism." You know. Well, you know, I what think are we doing for the footporn people. Well, I That's think, my. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like, a big it, grab again, demographic. I think we we can't we can't oversimplify this, right? Like both fascism and socialism are are both different both attempt to organize the working class at a time of like crisis in capitalism like that's just the case and i think like we have to understand that socialism has to woo people who are in danger of being wooed by things like fascism by preventing them from going over there yes but the not, idea not by doing fascism yeah the idea that we have to outflank them to the right is bizarre also i mean i think that from an outsider's perspective here, I mean, I haven't lived here that long. I, I don't think people realize how incredibly draconian, like, for example, immigration for non-EU citizens is in this country. It's insane. It's, it's. I mean, my wife and I were talking about this the other day because she lives in Switzerland, which is a famously racist country, an extremely racist country, like mm. so unbelievably racist that like some of their yeah, election go- posters- Google, Google some SVP posters sometimes. Yeah, it gets shared online. Like one of the, the for being like almost like jokes, like because they're so over the top. One Seeker of them literally- Schaffen. Yeah. One, yeah. One of them was literally, it's a big outline of the, the, the nation's borders of Switzerland and there's a bunch of sheep with Swiss flags and they're kicking the black sheep out of Switzerland. Wow. And it's like- that's the level oh. of uh, of just discourse in Switzerland. Damn, but Swiss in, nursery rhyme books but are in, dark. But in Switzerland, <laughs> if you come there on a work visa, if you lose your job and you've worked for at least 12 months, you have access to public funds for unemployment. Because in their mind, well, you paid in the unemployment for at least 12 months. Why would you? Imagine that in Britain where like there's zero until you're a fucking citizen. There's no recourse to public funds. Or, for example, in Switzerland, renewing your visa is apparently like you have to do it every year, but it's like 100 Swiss francs. My wife's visa has to get renewed every two and a half years. It's like 3,000 pounds to renew it. And like for people who are on what they consider, they have a 10-year track for for settlement here if they think you're at risk in any way. And let's just say it's not explicitly said if you're from certain countries, you're on that track. But somehow people who are from majority non-white countries wind up on that track a lot. You have to renew that every, you know, every couple of years. That adds up to like anywhere between when you can't count the the cost of applying for ILR and for citizenship, like anywhere between like 15 and 20,000 pounds. And those have to be paid in cash. People in Bolsover mm. love that. Yeah. It's like, they so do. I don't think people realize when like, oh, well, we're just too soft on immigration. We got to win people back with like being harder. Like we're already fucking insane on immigration. Yeah, It's well, just, it's never good enough. And that's, yeah. uh, that should be the lesson I think. Mm. But it, well, you've uh, got to be careful because it's a slippery slope, mate. You know, first of all, they bring over the wife. Then suddenly it's the wife's boyfriend. You know, where does it stop? <laughs> um, you know, but I mean, just that to me, like the disconnect between the rhetoric around immigration in this country and then being, I'm a citizen by descent, but going through the process of helping, you know, my wife get her visa when she's not from an EU country, how bananas insane it is. And it's like that never gets mentioned because it's never, it's never hard enough. It's got to be, it's got to be stricter and meaner and crueler if you deport more people and raise the fees more, even though they're literally running a massive profit on fees because it doesn't cost mm. that much to process visas. Yeah. And we, and we have to make every person in Bolsover a border guard. We have to <laughs> give them a hat. Remember the volunteer border mm. guards. But that's why I, I think ultimately, like, 
you cannot see blue labor as part of the left, but rather as a project fundamentally hostile to the left that prioritizes the aesthetics of working class politics over any kind of substance. It's because basically neither- we'll do socialism for the people that we choose well, not, worthy not, of it, who just happen to be white all well, the time. No, it's not even that. It's that we're going to look at what they. We're going to look at what people that we've decided are the working class seem to want, and just do that because neither blue labor nor, to be honest, you know, moralizing liberals actually want to engage seriously with how working class social conservative views came to come to be formed and why. And there's this idea that by saying that it comes to be formed, say, in the media by the Rupert Murdoch's empire or whatever, that you're denying people's agency to say that they that they might come up with these things by yourself. But it's not denying your nan's agency to note the power difference between mm. one, your nan and the Daily Mail. Um, but before, because we're, we're coming up to time here, I'd like to talk about Blue Labor and how they view their own political goal. So we have this perplexing article uh, from their website by a guy called Jonathan Rutherford that's entitled, Let's Bring Back Cakes and Ale Socialism. Few people would immediately associate the modern left with a spirit of delight and celebration. No fun zone. Only genders. Only the mm. swin zone. Uh, the, Damn. the popular image is a purse-lipped puritanical preaching interspersed with a good dollop of hypocritical Bollinger Bolshevism. What? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, we're all doing... Look, that's just us. That's literally just our podcast. That's not a popular image. I mean, like, if there's any takeaway mental image I have of all of the various left things that we've attended as part of this show, it's like the the, the joke in Tropic Thunder where they're at, like, the one week of shooting rap party. And it's like the biggest party. And they're like, wait, the movie's not done yet. Why are you guys celebrating? It's just been one week of shooting already. It's like, it's that same thing. The left has a lot of fun, maybe too much fun. Yeah. Maybe we mm. need to be puritanical. Quaffing a nice glass of something cold and sparkling with one finger. One, Sorry. Quaffing, oh, a yes, nice glass, Dew. quaffing a nice glass, quaffing a nice glass of something cold and sparkling with one hand, while finger jabbing at the plebs' pleasure in bacon sandwiches, fags, and booze with the other. Doing what to the plebs? Can <laughs> I just well fingering what the, the plebs? Fuck are they talking about? You know how the left hates bacon sandwiches ever That's since true. one got Ed Miliband and, diselected. And booze and fags. <laughs> yeah, we hate it. Have you ever met a London socialist who isn't constantly smoking and drinking? Because I fucking haven't. <laughs> Although yeah, the perception smells, is not smells al- like Marlboro Reds for some reason. Mm. Although this perception is not altogether fair, it does sometimes seem the left can't win, as whatever we say, we we are doomed to be denounced as either grim-faced killjoys or champagne socialists. There is some truth in it, though. It is rare to hear voices on the left raise even a mild hint of skepticism towards whatever the latest pronouncement of public health experts happens to be, whether it's plain packaging for crisps, attacks on unhealthy food, or regulating vaping out of existence. So- so if you go back in the archives, there's a bit where I called Jamie Oliver a thick-tongued cunt for doing the sugar tax. Mm. I I don't know about that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's also just weird. Just like, oh yeah, that's what the, that's what the working class really care about. When you really get down to it, it's the plain packaging on crisps. Yes. That is what's driving all of this. Brexit really was a proxy vote about the plain packaging <laughs> on crisps. Well, it's, it's because they weren't holding those votes on like special flavors that time, so you had to oh, vote on this look, instead. Look, what is plain packaging on crisps but a kind of niqab? <laughs> 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 Pew, <laughs> pew.
Damn. Sniper. God damn it. Mm. It is not a coincidence that even shriller t- calls for more state regulation of life's little pleasures, plain packaging for this, more taxes on that, ever oh, more unrealistic quote unquote advice to eat. clocks and fucking shit act. Age of oh, consent I just on like this. To drive my car and but, drink but also, like, booze. who the fuck does this besides liberals? Like, this isn't a thing yeah. that the left does. Uh, like, I. <laughs> And the people who are like, oh, we love soda taxes and shit and making poor people's lives even more miserable. That's like Mike Bloomberg's thing. Yeah, like, famous uh, communist. Uh, yeah, like, well, also, also how, mu- how much of this is a fucking really desperate working class thing? You know how fucking expensive booze and fags are? It's like, there's... Ah. Yeah, it's the. Is, we're it, talking it, about. It is all like Jeremy Clarkson being squeezed into those jeans that are too tight and cut off the blood flow to his brain, and think that oh, well, actually, I'm you know speaking out for the motorist or whatever. You've it's all just- missed. You've all missed the best bit of this, which is even more unrealistic advice, quote unquote, to eat half a ration of bacon every fortnight or nine pieces of fruit and veg a day. What? This is just a child. It's a child who's being who's angry at being made to eat vegetables. This sounds a bit like one of those like diets for people who are trying to have like a genius baby or something. Exactly half a rasher of bacon every fortnight, nine bananas a day. (laughs) Plain packaging on the crisp. You're listening to Mozart backwards. The ethic of modern of modern consensus, economic and social liberalism, tells us anything goes. No one has the right to tell you how to life your life. Spelling um. errors in original. Individual mm. autonomy is all. At the same time, free market liberalism has hollowed out our civic institutions and the rich cultural life and the set of standards and values that they sustain, creating an analog. Uh, sorry, excuse me, creating an anomic, isolating, and empty society. Well, that's that's just the thing where they say the true thing, but. Yeah. What, what mm. is their uh, like answer to that? Oh, well, it's that if you combine these two things, Alice, what actually results is a society of curious, soulless, and distinctly unjoyful hedonism. Unhappy, disconnected mm. people buying cheap booze and drinking it on their own. I mean, what, dude? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> excuse, like, excuse me. <laughs> people, mm. people are lonely, and people are atomized, and uh, yeah, but that is bad. And people do, yeah. like, for instance, maybe want to drink because their lives are shit. Uh, what do you want to do well, about this? Here's the thing: this rubs up against the other tendency of establishment liberal politics, which is technocratic utilitarianism. The public health consequences of the kind of society they've created are predictably disastrous, but their only response is top-down state intervention or totally unrealistic and condescending pieces of lifestyle advice. So he's doing the thing where liberals and the left are the same. Yes, correct. Mm. Uh, Um, Famously the hallmark of a smart person. Indeed. Uh, Mm. And also, you know, state state intervention, you know, like, um, is only ever conceived as punishing the poor. It's yes. never yeah. conceived of as, for example, um, creating a uh, state-run grocery shop that you can just go to and buy like healthy food at. Nationalized Greg's when. Or, or remember, nationalized pubs that were ways to like get out and drink subsidized, subsidized alcohol with lots of people that existed all over the north of the country for a long time. Mm. No, no, no. That's state. That's state intervention. That's inappropriate. I think, I think I've worked out what kind of article it is. So we've had the first half, which we might describe as the problems are bad, and now I feel like we're getting to, <laughs> but their causes. Uh, no, this is blue labor. This is um, the problems are bad, but our solutions are ridiculous. Um, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw to Kim for this next paragraph, which uh, is her favorite one. 
I just, it speaks to me. Although, clarification, how, how does, what is that word? What does that mean? Back in alienism. I'd love to be accessible yes. to the working class. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we're going to see listeners wait until you find out how this moron uses those, the word those back in alienism in a, in a socialists <laughs> who don't use who use words like back in alienism. Uh, Kim, please take us away. The reality is that a real politics of enjoyment is not the empty bacchanalianism, mm -hmm. <laughs> totally normal, yes. accessible word, of lonely liberal subjects crying into their Sainsbury's Basics vodka. I feel personally attacked by that. <laughs> you get Glenn's anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Glenn's is far superior and oh, not much more expensive. Or no. So you ought to be crying into the vodka makes it salty. Yeah. How are you crying good. into the vodka? You're using it's, are you pouring it into a glass, then crying in there, or are you mm. crying into the neck of the bottle? Yeah, just crying, just mm. putting my eye directly. directly on the neck, yeah. <laughs> it is communal, and it is about relationships as much as necking Nietzschean. It is mm. rooted in intermediate institutions and our common life, practices and civic habits that are collective, but not necessarily official or directly provided by the state. Pubs, social <laughs> and working men's clubs, the informal chats between smokers on their break, tea and biscuits at church dues, sharing what? a few drinks after the cricket match, or watching the football. Ah, we cricket. live in a fucking society. <laughs> like, so this reads that's like, the solution. Like you've a highly intelligent race of aliens came to Earth and they're trying to describe British life, and this is the article they've produced. Yeah, yes. yes. this guy has never had a cigarette break or gone to a church do or uh, had a sm or what? What else do you say? Gone to a pub, had a chat, watched yeah. the cricket or the football. Like mm -hmm. I feel more confident in my ability to use terms like yeah. the football than this guy should. And I'm not from here. <laughs> but that's like, yeah, Milo, you said earlier that an ordinary, like, classical liberal or work free market article or whatever would say um, that the, the problems are bad, but the causes are good. Mm. A blue labor article, so economically radical, allegedly, even though they hate state intervention for some reason, mm. and socially conservative, says uh, the problems are bad. But our solution is for people to hang out. Mm. Yeah, damn, it's just, just It's we work. Yeah, this is hell to me. <laughs> the, solu the solution seems to be: what if we just wished all of those things that have been demolished by neoliberalization back into existence, but never took? Yeah. Nobody goes to church anymore. The attendance yeah. figures are just like just drop off instantly. And also, like, how many people do you seriously know who go to the fucking cricket who aren't, like, Posh Tories? People. Yeah, it's yeah. all Tories. Like, everyone has podcasts. This is what we <laughs> do now. <laughs> yeah, damn. So can yeah. I just bring it back to the Sainsbury's vodka quickly? Oh, please. Yeah, mm. I just, I don't think it's fair or true that Sainsbury's basic vodka can't bring about communal enjoyment. It's it true. can. Right. I've had lots of communal enjoyment in a group bonding with other people based around Sainsbury's Basics Vodka. Yeah, but Kim, the problem is you weren't in an institution that was core to the social lives of people in the 1970s. Mm. No, yeah. It, yeah. It, if yeah, you're yeah, like you were me, you were, you were in a park. There yeah. wasn't How a whippet or yeah. a flat cap around. Yeah. So How many of those count? people were consuming live eels at mm. the time? <laughs> exactly. None. You None. were probably in a house and probably in a city. Yeah. So, I was sorry. actually in a town. <gasps> oh, wow. oh, See, wow. there it is. Interesting. <laughs> well, blue, blue labor. Wait, yeah, we, we must respect this experience now. <laughs>
Um, mm. So he goes on. These social contexts tend to allow earthy enjoyment. Uh, hard-handed uh. sons of toil. Just no. having a having a cigarette down t- pub on my on a break from my job as a call center operator. None of that, none of that ethereal Olympian enjoyment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the letting off of steam while providing ways to regulate behavior and ensure nothing gets quote unquote out of hand. Yeah, and I've therefore- never been in a pub where anything's got out of hand. Yeah, but, but- it's got out of mm. hand in a in a in a sort of fun, earthy, rugged English way. Yeah, <laughs> me like yeah. that guy getting carried naked on the fucking crowd <laughs> when England scored against Sweden. Because yes, that, yeah. to me, defines the English pub experience. Like, yeah. I want to avoid it at all costs. But the most town experience I can think of is like kicking out time at a shitty mm. nightclub that's called something like Rumors with a Z, and somebody <laughs> oh, getting yeah. like tackled face down onto a pavement by four bouncers and six police officers. Yeah, yeah. sorry, but, but what? But Alice, what if it was like that, but in the seventies? Basically, it seems yeah. like th- what, if, what, entire- if, what if instead of like uh, like women walking home carrying their shoes and like trying to avoid the big puddles of sick everywhere, we mm. just had like a bunch of miners smoking and doing racism? Cool. Th- I think this is just like they kind of they kind of want the Labour manifesto to be like a, the lyrics to like a streets album. <laughs> uh, to be uh, like, look, this manifesto material. is specifically for you. Yeah, we know he's a cunt, and you didn't even fucking touch him. That's right. Yeah. But, so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get through the rest of this paragraph. Seventeen-year-olds should be allowed to have a pint in their local in full view of people who know their parents might get a bit squiffy, but they're not going to end up in hospital. Nobody even has a local anymore. It's uh, it's what? a Wellspoons or an O'Neill's. He, yeah, they're basically like we should make sure that seventeen-year-olds are allowed to drink in pubs so long as they're with their mm. parents and surrounded by local people who will watch out for them. And we should somehow mm. make that a political party platform. Yeah, and yeah. we're going to fight capitalism by doing that. Yeah, so wear a backwards. Flat cap. Step one: rebuild any kind of sense of community in a totally atomized neoliberal hellscape. Step two: seventeen-year-olds uh, drinking uh, pints. Yeah, exactly. It's simple. Yeah, I didn't realize Blue Labor was a libertarian organization. <laughs> Fags in the womb. <laughs> That's that is why that is why they think that like uh, Nigel Farage is this kind of like working class hero, though, isn't it? It's because like there's this weird thing I've been trying to get my head around it in the British psychology where there's a certain kind of like posho who like certain kinds of people from these like kind of quote unquote working class in the most British sense of the word rather than any materialist analysis see as being like them when those people would never see themselves as being like the quote unquote working class. Yeah, because- y- you know what it is? It's it's the same thing that uh, uh, the American quote unquote working class see in Donald Trump. It's this is what I would do if I was rich. Mm. I, I, would, I, would, I would drink the same <laughs> shitty beer, I would smoke wherever I wanted, and I would tell anyone who didn't like it to go fuck themselves. I'd divorce my wife and I'd spend Christmas Day alone watching yes. the Queen's speech of like three feet away from a ridiculously small television. Yes. Says, he's a, most normal people are just going to ignore weekly alcohol unit limits and eat bacon sandwiches. Normal. And actually, it's only human to enjoy a beer or packet of crisps, so why not embrace it? But what does that mean politically? Was this? Was 
Was this article just written by someone who's been given like a diabetes diagnosis and is like <laughs> trying to like subtweet their own doctor? <laughs> you, actually, you, you, know, you know what? Like, you know what Muslims famously love is bacon sandwiches and weekly alcohol. Uh, they do. So yeah, no, nothing, nothing, no sort of um, undertones there. No, not at all. No. Um, so yeah, wait, do you think? So what do you think is going on here, here, Cam? Do you think that the way to reconnect with Labour's sort of former heartlands is to like let seventeen-year-olds drink sometimes, and also to remove weekly alcohol recommendations? I mean, if they want to get the youth vote, but we've already got that locked down, to be <laughs> honest. But as a manifesto, you know, if someone when I was seventeen had said, "Do you want to be able to drink in a pub and eat bacon whenever you want?" I probably would have been quite up for it. Yeah. Mm. Um. That was but, peak epic bacon years yeah, as well. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But I think they I think they would fuck this though, because I think it would become whatever the kids say nowadays. Mm. It would become simp. You would like you would you would be allowed to drink in a pub, but the pub would have to have a thatched roof and you would have to have like <laughs> a half of like really warm London pride. Oh, there mm. there would have to there would have to be a guy who warned you not to go to certain bits of the moors. Like yes. it would be a whole thing. You, you'd have to dr- you have to drink bombardier. This uh, is just this is just the in betweeners. Like we literally have this law in Britain already. You can drink alcoholic drinks in a in a pub, provided you're accompanied by an adult and that you're having a meal. That's yeah, already if a law. You're a fucking nerd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. But that's there's literally that scene in the in the, uh, a classic British show, The Inbetweeners, where they're 17 and the pub won't serve them, so they get some like alcoholic to uh, to sit with them while they have three carvery dinners in order to have exactly one pint of cider each. Yeah, but uh, they, what should Labour have done if this is already a law? Just like put a little bit ma- section in his manifesto saying, "Hey, this is good. This is already mm. a law. We're going to keep this law." Yeah, as long as it's because as long as build it's, community and as fight long capitalism. As it's bought and paid for by a whippet, uh, mm. you can drink exactly um, one pint of bitter. I'm, I'm going to sort of try and bomb the rest of the way through this article. It also allows us to make the argument that if you provide the right kind of society, then people can enjoy themselves while we combat the deeper causes of genuinely damaging and self-destructive behavior: stress, overwork, anxiety, depression, isolation. But again, <laughs> don't forget they <laughs> the, ru- the court the court the problems are very bad, but the symptoms very good. <laughs> yeah, well, just smearing on joke make up so haphazardly that it's not even recognizable anymore. <laughs> no, it's like, uh, Alice, they are saying that like the symptoms are bad. It's like the problems are bad and the symptoms are bad, but we're only going to use quackery to treat them. Yeah, mm. but like the symptoms are also self-care. Yeah. Like, mm. n- not, not to be like, oh, a socialist should absolutely never drink or use drugs or whatever, but to be like, oh, the, our society is quite unfair, therefore, yeah, we should, we should encourage people to get pissed in the meantime while we fix it, instead of, like, involving them at all. Is, well, yeah, because mm. that's, uh, that's, that's mm. and we'll, we'll sort of note this, right? Like, um, it's, I'm, I'm just going to finish up here. Uh, the left's attitude to things like drinking and public health really don't help our image. Again, this must be some kind of imaginary left. Mm-hmm. Um, they make us look out of touch and censorious and add to the perception that labor has become a party solely for highly educated metropolitan liberals who spend all their time eating mung beans and farting because they're too <laughs> uptight to have a drink and a laugh. To be fair, he's right about the farting part, but I'm not sure what a mung bean is. <laughs> just, my, my rebuttal to this whole thing is just the picture of Jeremy Corbyn in his tracksuit with a bag of cans. It yeah. What? I mean, I, I Gillian McKeith for Labour leader, I guess, just like making every working class person shit in a Tupperware and then examining it and telling them that they're gonna have to stop that's, eating Findus lasagna or whatever the fuck. That is the new workplace capacity assessment. Yeah. <laughs>
Uh, but like, if you look at all, so this is back to me again, right? If you look at all of the forms of community that they think are the things we need to bring back if we want to have a functional society, these things like church groups or Dad. like our various mm. kinds of ways to go to the pub with your old friends, your local dads. pub, mm. um, your the local sports team, like extremely dads, yeah, uh, mm. except except for the Streatham Rovers, go Rovers. Mm. Um, if you look at all these forms of communities that they that they uh, venerate, the only ones that still exist are like the neighborhood watch, um, and all the other I things. I wonder that, like, why. All the other things, all these things that involve like camaraderie and fun, maybe for 1970s people, but not power. And when they do involve power, they're the EDL because none of these forms of working class solidarity challenge any class mm. hierarchy. There is no, in fact, in Glassman's 2011 book, there was like no mention of trade unionism, mm. like. There is nothing, there is nothing, there seem to be very hostile to trade unionism and very hostile to any kind of state universalism, but mm. they're very pro um, bad beer and strange dogs. Yeah. Mm. Well, Go, the thing going trade, down to church. Yeah. The thing is, the trade unions are full of big southern liberal pansies, and so you can't. <laughs> yeah, like Arthur Scarborough. Yeah, 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 exactly. There's a trade unionist. You know, they're all not smoking and drinking, and you know, they, they they've never eaten a bacon sandwich, and they they just refuse, you know, to pander to the working class. They won't do it. Yeah. So it's like, like, look, it's basically blue labor. Like the way that I, I sort of describe it is that it's all of its solutions are like trying to do CPR in a skeleton. Like <laughs> these things are gone. And they're not gone because of immigrants or genders or like or non-white people. They're gone because they've been neoliberalized away. And you can't just wish them back by saying that we've been too accepting of people who don't fit with the like cultural mm. or ethnic or gender or national or whatever markers of the people who were in those community organizations that you really liked from the 70s. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. Love to have a, a sentimental, romantic vision of a better past that has been taken from you by some other. Mm. This will never backfire. <laughs> Every member of the cabinet is going to be a different kind of pie. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, fine. Yeah, it Just, makes people feel at home. Every cabinet meeting will be a, a Sunday league match. <laughs> so. Um, Kim, any final thoughts on this political vision that is basically like the DMT hallucination that happens when you die? Do you know, if you want to go to a working men's club and have a pint, I really give a fuck, do whatever you want. Mm. I think minorities aren't trying to take that away from you. Um, but on, seriously, um, I'm actually quite worried about um, the influence of Blue Labour. I don't think that an imagined past where colonialism didn't happen um, we don't have gender equality and everyone still hangs out with their church group is going to come back. Mm. Um, and so it never existed. It was never real. Like in, in a very real sense, a lot of this stuff that they're imagining that is just imagined. But if you are a Labour Party member, and I say this in an individual capacity as me and not mm. any of my employers, um, vote for the next leader. I, I would watch this very carefully because as much as we joke, I actually think Blue Labour has a lot of influence and mm -hmm. so if you care about the Labour Party and this isn't what you want to see the party turn into then you need to be active in your local party and you need to like mm. analyse what each leader is proposing as well as their rhetoric and if you see some of these arguments coming through making sure you don't vote for them and also getting your friends and colleagues to not vote for these leaders either. 
Damn, mm. get get involved in the local Labour Party sounds a lot like uh, creating some kind of community with social relationships and camaraderie. It does. <laughs> does it have pints, though, is the thing. Does it have it a have warm pints. pint? Yes. Is mm. there an old man who says, oh, don't go up past the moor on the full moon? <laughs> 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 God, this was a man. this was such a shit country, and we're nostalgic for all yeah. the worst parts of it. A, a man who was created by putting by putting an old an old man from the dog track and a kazoo into the machine from the fly, <laughs> and every day is a living hell as he is just, an abomination yeah. that should never. His have entire been born. body is just comprised of different coats. <laughs> oh, I can't uh, do that. Please end my life. <laughs> I, love, I can't do accents. I cannot I just, do I, accents. I, I, I have a vision of what this is, right? And I think the best summary I can come up with of Blue Labour is that it is the shell game that you play to hustle people, where you put the ball under the thing and then you move the things around, but instead of shells, it's three different mm. flat caps. Oh, wait, hang on. No, Blue Labour is just OYO, but for the Labour Party, right? It's just yeah, like. It's a machine gonna... that kills the Labour Party. Yeah, sing it together. <laughs> they're just going to take over the Labour Party and run it into the ground. Why did Jess Phillips, in her first act as leader, buy all of this upholstery? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we've gone for like so long. Uh, so I'm going to say, Kim, thank you very much for coming to the studio today. Thanks for having me back. Uh, do you have anything going on currently you'd like to plug, or just a Twitter account? Um, I'm not really doing anything at the moment. Just trying to get myself so, back to the new year. So if you want to hang out, contact Kim McIntyre. Yeah, I'm just chilling. If you're free, if you're available, <laughs> mm. let me know. Macintosh go for a pint down to racism, mine. Um, <laughs> also, you can uh, you can also uh, subscribe to us on Patreon. Five bucks a month, you know mm. what to do. I imagine some of our Iran invasion opinions are going to be on the next Patreon. Also, plugs. Uh, I, I'm doing a show in Liverpool on the 17th of January at Hot Water Comedy Club. Uh, I've sold six tickets so far, which is more than I thought I'd sold, but still not enough. So <laughs> uh, if you're in Liverpool, if you know people in Liverpool, please come down to that. Uh, 18th of January, I'm doing one in London. Same deal, but it's in London. So if you live in London, probably go to that one instead. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> no, fuck it. Yeah. Go to both. Uh, yeah, yeah, fuck go, it. Yeah, go, do the, go, go to both. Uh, make use of the excellent privatized rail network. Uh, so yeah, please, please do get tickets to those. Uh, and if that's everything, I think we will see you in a couple of days. But our theme song is by Ginseng. It's called Here We Go. You can find it on Spotify. I almost forgot to do it, uh, but we'll uh, talk to you soon. Trash Future Season 2. We're never forgetting the theme song. Never. <laughs> Later, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.